welcome to the what 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 come on what you have to be kidding me are you serious what that is a recap of all the games the podcast is over matthew collar paul hodawanik that's it that's all i have to say paul you have to be kidding me with the four games two games four teams four games two days that just happened insanity Every single game culminating with Patrick Mahomes being given 13 seconds to somehow get like 50 yards Mm -hmm. and found a way to do it to set up Harrison Butker, who couldn't kick it all all day, and then drills it right down the middle. And then the coin toss would never go to Buffalo. Come on. Uh, Vikings fans listening to this, uh, allow me to tell you – it never goes to Buffalo on that coin toss in the same way that it went to the new Orleans in 2009. It was never going to Buffalo. They were not winning that coin toss. That man was not missing that field goal. As soon as they got in field goal position, that thing was over And 13 seconds is too many in the NFL. How many teams scored too fast? That's our big postseason takeaway, Paul. Don't score with even 13 seconds remain. I mean, this was the craziest four games in two days of divisional football of my lifetime. And it's usually pretty nuts, but this was extra, extra nuts. Yeah. I, I, I was laughing. Uh, Josh Allen loses the coin toss and he goes and sits down and they periodically check on him. I'm not sure he moved. I'm not sure he changed where he was looking. He was just dead staring straight. Just, just, he just knew he knew what was happening. I think we all knew it was happening. Uh, Just an incredible game makes you, um, under just remember why you love football so much. It puts puts last week's games behind. You're not worried about the seven seeds anymore because you just saw that. You saw Mike Hughes just just die on the field potentially. I'm not sure we saw him after that. I'm not sure we will see him after that. That might have just been his lasting memory. Um, just an incredible incredible game. Uh, we I don't know how much we were going to talk about this game coming in, but this is this is everything. This is the game. This it was incredible and. I mean, how many seconds is too many seconds to give to Mahomes? They had 13. What do you think he could get? Like eight? Eight? <laughs> is eight too many? Like, what's what's the number? I mean, think about the quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's they got their – they set themselves up still with, I think, like two or three seconds left on the clock. So yeah. they could have even done it in less than 13 seconds. This will forever be, I guarantee you, people in that city – They do the same thing you do in Minnesota. They have names for stuff and everybody knows the names for stuff. The wide, right. You got the wide left, you know, that kind of thing. And 13 seconds will be forever brought up. Generations of people will bring up 13 seconds. There's also a game in the eighties where a running back dropped the ball. uh, The Ronnie Harmon game, which was an incredible, I believe divisional round game between the bills and the Browns. So like things like that, those will always, always come up, and this one will. Uh, but I think the big takeaway from that game is, A, those are the Super Bowl teams that may have been the Super Bowl. Those are the two best quarterbacks. Those are the two best. I mean, now that Rodgers is out, but Josh Allen at this moment in his life is probably even better than Aaron Rodgers is. I think that's probably accurate after, although Kansas City refused to cover anyone, so that's a different story. But Josh Allen's running ability is so valuable on third and fourth down that this is like, it's hard not to make this point right off the the beginning. But when you watch Kirk Cousins, do you see any of that? 
I just like, of course you don't. Like, that's kind of one of the main points is like, hey, folks, was it the defense today? Like, I don't know. Both teams played no defense, but they put on one heck of a show because of playmaking quarterbacks with big giant arms who can run and throw and do crazy stuff because that's what you need to do to win in the playoffs. I almost feel like I'm being rude by making that point right off the bat. Like I should have slid it in later to be like, I don't know if uh, Kirk does that in 13 seconds or makes the touchdown pass that Allen did where things broke down and then he finds Gabriel Davis in the end zone. Uh, But I mean, those two, that is like watching Elway versus Marino or, or, you know, uh, Rogers versus breeze or, you know, these, this is, that was like all time great quarterback play, which is funny because the rest of the weekend was not all time great quarterback play, but even in the, and this is where we, we have to talk about too. And we got questions for each other and everything else, but I think we just got to like, let it all out. So that, that game was nuts. I wonder if there'll be something done with the overtime rules. Probably not. Cause it's Buffalo. They won't care. <laughs> um, but it, it, they only changed them the first time since it was Favre, And they're like, Oh, we can't do that to Favre or we have to try to make it right. But for Buffalo, they probably won't. Uh, the other game, though, I think we have to talk about the Rams take because the Rams take from the very beginning of the season has been the roller coasteriest opinion that I think I've had on a single team. At the beginning of the year, I thought, oh, this looks very much like I've seen this story before where a team goes all in. And then they were good. So I was like, oh, well, man, I guess that was wrong. I guess like Stafford's great for this team and they're good. And then he started Staffording all over the place. Three picks against the Vikings, just looking bad, throwing all sorts of interceptions, losing games. It's like, ah, yeah, there it comes. And then today, his team fumbles four times. There's nothing he could do about that. And he comes up with the biggest throw at the biggest time. Just this monster laser beam pass. And they beat the Bucs, and they should have beat them by even more the way that Stafford played, but they kept, you know, giving it away and, and many different ways. And now here they are NFC championship and it's worked for the Rams. And so I'm thinking to myself, kind of like, well, well, what, what happened here? Like, why is this the case when it had so many red flags for why it wouldn't work to just top heavy your roster and throw on a quarterback who hadn't won a whole lot in Detroit. And I want your opinion on that, Paul. I want your opinion on why it was able to work for the Rams when we didn't see it work here with that same sort of strategy and Stafford never had it really work in Detroit before. I mean, why it worked, it worked because they have Sean McVay. It worked because they have Cooper cup. It worked because they have Odell Beckham. It worked because they have Aaron Donald. It worked because they have Von Miller. Like that's why it worked. If we're comparing it to Minnesota, it's just at every spot, they had higher caliber talent. They had better coaching than the Vikings had. So that's why it worked more than the Vikings for Stafford. Um, specifically why it worked. I think it's that talent too. I mean, he never obviously had Calvin Johnson, but he never had the stability of what the Rams can present. Uh, The stability of even if my offense is going to fumble three times, my center is going to snap it behind me. Like my defense is still going to get my back. Like that was never the case for him before. That would never be the case in Minnesota, at least presently constructed. So that's, those are the reasons why, but I, I have to eat a little crow too, because I was not a Stafford believer in terms of, thinking he would take him past one round, maybe. Um, even after he goes lights out against Arizona, I did not think he was going to play like this today. I thought he was going to throw those one or two passes that are just horrible. And he, I mean, he threw some questionable passes. One of the first drives, he almost threw it right to a defender in the end zone. So he had his moments, but in the biggest moments, 
He threw that pass to Cup, and he he was lights out. I mean, so you got to give credit where credit's due. And I don't think anything that he had shown really, like, indicated that he was going to do this today. Like, I think today was one of those career-defining moments for him, at least, especially if then they go on to make it to the Super Bowl, just if they make it there. Like, I, I think it's fine saying we didn't see this in Stafford in him before this game, because I'm not sure he did, and it he he made it happen today. So I don't necessarily think we're wrong. I just think we saw a player really take and elevate a big step, and he had the requisite pieces around him in order to be able to do that, which just weren't possible any other time in his career. And also at the beginning of the year, you mentioned two guys that just weren't on the team, Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller committed multiple homicides and (laughs) will be arrested after the game. Like he, he was just demolishing them to go along with Aaron Donald and the pressure numbers together. I think they had 16 pressures together, which is outrageous against Tom Brady who doesn't get pressured all that much. He usually gets rid of the ball so quickly, but they they had a backup right tackle in a couple other offensive linemen are dinged up. Uh, Ryan Jensen's playing after getting hurt last week and Tristan Wirfs is out. And the poor guy playing right tackle is just getting run over, like Mike Remmer's style, just getting annihilated, which is kind of a point, by the way, about an offensive line where it's really about your weakest link because the other team will then line up Aaron Donald over your worst player and just, or Vaughn Miller, and just run that man into the ground. So or that's Leonard key, Floyd. Why not? Just right. Leonard any. Floyd, right. <laughs> not a, bu- not a bum at all. A great no. player, Leonard no. Floyd. And, and so that was part of it that the advantage of defensive line versus offensive line should not have been like this, but it was because of a, a key injury, which they took advantage of and deserve credit for that. So that's one thing that you really can't predict is when they actually play each other, what are the key matchups going to be? Also, if Robert Woods had gone down and they replaced him with Laquan Treadwell, it'd be a lot different than Odell Beckham in terms of the weapons. I think the other part of it was I knew Cooper Cup was good but a guy with an arm like Stafford versus Jared Goff, there's just way more physical gifts there to maximize that talent that Cooper Cup has. He is truly a special wide receiver. I mean, I was thinking like this, this is like Jerry Rice stuff here, like putting up numbers like this that are so much better than everybody else in the league. And hey, Tampa Bay though, feel free to cover him in the most important moment of the game, which yeah, we'll get into. Zero. Don't go cover yeah, zero. In the when last we talk part. about the Todd Bowles thing, we'll get into that. Um, Cause I don't know if that's real or if that's an agent telling somebody to tell somebody that Todd Bowles is a hot candidate, but I guess that's, that's for a little bit later discussion. Uh, but I, I think that one area where just in my brain, it doesn't quite always register is when there's volatile players with a lot of talent. So basketball players who can score 50 or score 10 on a given night usually don't really gravitate to that type of player. And with Josh Allen early in his career, he was all over the place. Some games he's amazing. Some games he's terrible. And Stafford, I've covered, I don't know how many games of his, he got sacked 10 times in one. And then in another one, he let a comeback just like Mahomes did in 2016 uh, against the Vikings, where he made some ungodly throw to set them up for a long field goal. And so I've seen every part of Stafford. And my thought was he's too volatile. He's always all over the place, either great or terrible. And if terrible shows up, then you lose. But in sort of Joe Flacco-ish type fashion, back-to-back great games from him and not a very good showing at all from Tampa Bay's defense. In fact, an embarrassing performance by their defense, just open receivers all over the place. 
And then he made the throws and he's got such great physical gifts that if he's feeling it, he's on fire. He's confident that can happen at any given time. He could throw those three picks or get sacked 10 times, but if he's on, he can just completely light you up. And I think that that's part of it. The other part is to, I probably more than need to apologize to Stafford need to apologize to McVay because I kind of had this feeling of like, Oh, is this a typical coach thing? Blaming the quarterback and like, okay, maybe you lost a little bit of your fastball. Oh no, not based on what we've seen in these first two games of the playoffs from Los Angeles. McVay has still got it. In fact, he's the best of the best and Kyle Shanahan, but probably McVay is even a cut above just incredible at playing to his players strengths and not afraid to throw it to their best player all the time, but to, to scheme that up, and the way that they scheme their passing concepts to find open receivers all the time, you combine that with, hey, Matt Stafford, make two special plays a game, and we win, and that's what you have. You have a trip to the NFC Championship. Yeah, and I mean, would people be surprised if Stafford next week comes and throws two picks and they lose? No, but I think what the last two weeks have done is you now at least need to give him the benefit of the doubt, or 50-50 if you were thinking that could happen it's tilting more towards 60, 40, 70, 30. Like you are now, I'm expecting this more than I'm expecting a debilitating, um, a, several debilitating throws in a game. Um, just the way that he's played. I think he's, he's earned that in these, in these last two games and the two biggest games of his career, arguably. And he's gone out and done that. It doesn't mean he's not going to be volatile the next two weeks. Like he hasn't solved this thing. Like, like I mentioned, he still had a few passes in that game that could have gotten intercepted and then things change. Uh, I don't know who is really at fault for that snap that went over his head, uh, but you know that that could easily be a Stafford miscue. So there are still things that might not be cleaned up, but I think at this point he at least has gained the benefit of the doubt if he's going to play better than he's going to play worse. And I'm excited to see what he does against another volatile QB next week. And then if you get to the Super Bowl, anything can happen. And I mean, if that happens, his entire legacy changes um, and we're talking about maybe a hall of famer with all the stats that he's accrued at this point, like, and then led two wide receivers to the best two seasons ever in Calvin Johnson and Cooper cup. Like that's some bona fide. So this is really a really, really big postseason for Stafford. And I'm not sure I envisioned it going this way at all. Well, I didn't either. I also didn't envision Tampa Bay just melting in so many different ways early in that game. I mean, the refs didn't help Tom Brady getting a penalty there. You can blame him. You can blame the refs, but either way they had three 15 yard penalties go against them. They missed a field goal. They made bad game management decisions, not going for fourth downs when they should have, they were down, I think 10, nothing. And they had fourth and four at the 40 or something like that. And they were like, no, let's kick a field goal, a long field goal. It was like, I don't think you want to do that here because your defense isn't stopping anyone right now. And then, just snap of the fingers all of a sudden it's whatever it was 24 to three or whatever, 20 to three in the first half there. And it could have been even worse the way they were playing. So they, they weren't catching the ball. They had a couple of drops mixed in. They weren't blocking. Like everything was going wrong for Tampa Bay, which is another thing about the postseason and wins and everything else. And we'll talk about Rogers here in a second. Uh, but you know, even for them, like they're winning that game late and it's a punt block. Like what, you know, I mean, I love the randomness of it, but it almost feels like this weekend was a little bit like hockey where sometimes your team can win the Stanley cup and you'd be like, did we even deserve that? I don't even know. Like, like how did we, our goaltender stop 98% of the shots, which would never happen for a long period, but it did today. Um, So Stafford, by the way, 
in the regular season had the fifth most turnover worthy plays in the NFL. So the volatility was absolutely there and that's who he is. But I think that there's just, he also had the fifth most big time throws. So like it's classic Stafford stuff. I just think that that's what happens sometimes. Like Flacco is the great example. It hasn't happened in a while. I don't think, but where somebody gets hot in the playoffs, that was an Eli Manning thing. He was a little of the same way. Lots of big time throws. He didn't have as many turnover worthy plays, didn't take as many sacks. So I think he was better, but um, you know, the same sort of thing of a quarterback gets hot with a great team and this Rams team, they've stayed healthy. And that's a, a thing that's so huge too. They're healthy. Uh, they lost Andrew Whitworth, but their backup tackle is apparently good also. And Tampa Bay couldn't create a lot of pressure. They get Cam Akers back. He fumbles in a key moment, but at least like they had that weapon there. And then you just have Cooper Cup wide open all over the place and he's making the plays. Uh, but I think that what you said is right, that what will shine through sometimes, and we saw this with Garoppolo in a final drive, uh, we saw this with Joe Burrow in a final drive, and then with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen both leading final drives, is it's usually the one thing that they have like Josh Allen, his ability to run around and make plays Patrick Mahomes with his just like ice cold veins where the guy never gets shook and, and, and comes through at the very end. And then, you know, you have um, Jimmy Garoppolo comes through with a game winning drive. He gets rid of the ball quickly. Like they're beating up his offensive line. They're getting pressure. Tom Compton's getting killed on the right tackle, but his release is quick and he finds a way to get the ball out a couple of times and make plays. And then Joe Burrow and his accuracy down the field and his toughness and his leadership, that all comes through. And um, I guess I don't want to spend the whole time comparing these teams to the Vikings because the Vikings are just not a team that is going to be playing here next year, probably. And that has been nowhere near this round in two years. Uh, but if you're watching the quarterbacks, it's really hard to say like your quarterback looks like these guys. He doesn't, he just doesn't. Like he just can't do the things that they could do, which is one of the reasons why you are where you are. Yes. The defense was also bad. I agree. Um, so let's talk about Rogers. Yeah. Um, we've kind of thrown the questions that we had to the wind because things were so crazy, but I'm getting to the things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, he's not playing for them next year, right? Like this is over. I, th I think the ride is over. I think if they had gone to the Super Bowl, then maybe he comes back and tries to recreate it, tries to win two in a row tries to get three Super Bowls, which there's a very, very high echelon of people who have won three Super Bowls. But I think this is done, Paul. I think, it, I, I mean, I don't want to give Vikings fans too much hope by saying this, but they are 50 million or something over the cap. His cap number is insane. They are going to lose to Darius Smith. Uh, they might lose Devontae Adams to free agency. He's not signing for cheap. He's the best receiver in the NFL, not named Cooper Cup. I, I don't see any, well, okay. I think it's very, very improbable that Aaron Rodgers is a Green Bay Packer next year. Yeah, all season long, I've been on the team. I'll believe it when I see it in terms of that happening. We've just seen the Packers have insane quarterbacks for too long to expect that they're just going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I mean, his comments afterwards wasn't exactly a vote of confidence for the team. He doesn't want to stick it out through a rebuild. He's going to wait and see like comments kind of being like, yeah, we should have done better. Um, and by no means, like, did he do everything he could have done? And this was on the rest of the team. Like that offense scored seven points on the opening drive and then had three points the rest of the game. That just can't happen at home with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Like that is 
that is that is not what he's supposed to be doing on offense. Now they would have won though if the special teams doesn't just do what it did. Like so there there is that. Like the offense can't be to blame for all of this because if they just get a punt off like they should have, this game is different. They're moving on. They're probably the favorites to make the Super Bowl. So yeah, it's hard, but I I I think I agree. I it's taken me a long time to get there, but this felt like there was some finality to it and I don't know if they they're just not in a great spot to remake the roster. I know everyone's been saying like if you were crafting a team that fits Rodgers best, like he would want to go to Green Bay with the pieces around him. Maybe that was this case, the case this last year with the defense that was good and LaFleur and Adams there, but if they're really going to have to cut costs, I'm not sure how much that hurts their team. Um, that being said, wherever he goes with trades is going to send four first round picks. So they're going to be depleted as well. But yeah, I'm just not sure you can run this back again after you lose twice in the conference championship. Now you're losing in the, in the divisional round. Like it just hasn't happened. And it's unfortunate for Packers fans, very fortunate for Vikings fans, but I, I think you're right. I think this was his last game. I don't know how they put together a collection of players. That's that good. Again, um, yeah. they signed David Bakhtieri to this crazy contract just because, I mean, he's good, but he's Rogers best buddy. So they signed him his contract. He gets hurt right away. And Zadarius Smith was hurt this year, but Zadarius Smith comes back. Uh, but his cap hit is $26 million for next year. That's got to change. And if you're Zadarius Smith, I mean, you don't want to come back if Rogers isn't back, but you're also, not even if Rogers is back, you're not coming back at a discount. Like you're a pass rusher. You're, you know, I mean, it's not like Devonte Adams where your worth is directly connected to your quarterback. And then if Rogers doesn't come back, Devonte Adams doesn't either. And their roster starts to really collapse because they haven't been drafting spectacularly lately. They were kind of like the Rams where it's a lot of really good players who are keeping them up. And then Rogers trying to make the average players better, but I mean, after the top guys that they have, if Rodgers, Zadari Smith, Preston Smith, and Devontae Adams all go, that is not a good football team. And then Jordan Love has to take over, not a good football team. And actually, not all of their cap problems are completely solved. We have seen teams do this to themselves, to push all the chips to the middle of the table, and you end up like New Orleans that did not get their Super Bowl out of it for doing it for Breeze. And look at New Orleans this year. They still had a good defense, but... Uh, They couldn't fill out the receivers after Michael Thomas got hurt. Um, You know, they had to shuffle around a ton of money. They didn't have great depth and they couldn't do much at the quarterback position outside of sign Trevor Simeon and Jameis Winston to hardly any money. Like they couldn't even be real players in that market for any other quarterback. That's kind of what I think is going to happen to the Packers is that Jordan Love's going to take over if Rodgers leaves and they're going to be with a pretty bare cupboard or a pretty average team. I think they have a good coach in Matt LaFleur but they suddenly go from a team that you lock into 12 or 13 wins to one where you think uh, seven or eight. I mean, yeah. even we have, we have hardly any sample of seeing Jordan love actually play football, but I mean, that's, that's kind of where you would put it right now. And then, yeah. you know, so now the NFC North all of a sudden looks kind of wild. It almost looks like the NFC East did a few years ago yeah. where every, everybody's not very good. And here's my question for you though. And this is going to be a bigger conversation. I'm sure as we go, throughout with the Rogers drama, but just your sort of snap reaction is would that change anything for you? If you are coming in as the new Vikings GM, that it seems highly likely Aaron Rodgers is playing for, I don't know, Vegas or Denver or somebody like that. 
Yeah, well, just quickly on the Rodgers thing, if if you are making the case for him to come back, it's you want to go into that conference, the one, the game we just watched. You want to go play with Mahomes and Allen. You want to go play for Denver and have to battle them. You want to go to Vegas and battle them. You want to battle those guys. You want to battle Herbert. You want to battle battle Burrow. Like probably not. So that's the case if he wants to stay. Maybe the roster falls down. Uh, but the rest of the competition, like it's there. Going on to the Vikings point. Yeah, it changes things. If Rodgers isn't there, the division is wide open. Uh, do you trust the Lions to get back to competency? I don't. Do you trust the Bears to become good with their management right now and ownership? I, I don't. I mean, they have Justin Fields, so you have a building block, but that's that's it. And if Rodgers is gone, like you like Matt LaFleur as a coach, great. But as we just said, the talent is going to be depleted, and you're relying on a rookie quarterback in Jordan Love that people didn't really like coming out like they he kind of forced his way into the first round and who knows maybe he's good but early sample is he's not that great um so yeah that changes how you look and maybe that changes if you're getting rid of Kirk I don't know but in terms of just the how attractive the job is if Rodgers is gone suddenly the NFC North is wide open uh the rest of the the rest of the conference is so so especially if you compare it to the AFC uh, Brady's not going to be doing this forever. I think we're starting, starting to finally get there. And so, yeah, I think you look at the NFC and you look at the Vikings and you see they should be the favorites in the NFC North. And then when you get to the playoffs, who knows, there are not that many teams you have to contend with, uh, compared to the AFC. So it has to, it has to look more attractive if Rogers isn't going to be there. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right. At SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel, you can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant Designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and SodaStick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. I, I think that it does. And you'd probably know that if you are Ryan Poles, who appears that he's going to be the next general manager um, of the Vikings. We'll see how that plays out this week. He's got another conversation with Chicago. There seems to be something I don't want to say like exactly too much to mislead anybody, but it seems like the it's trending toward the Ryan Poles direction is what I could say. Um but I want to, I, I think that you knew that there was only so much Rogers left anyway. There was only either like one more year, maybe two, but that's probably it. If you're taking over the job, you're planning on having it for a long time, but it shouldn't accelerate your plan. I think if you're the general manager, just because you could be better than the other teams in your division does not mean that you could compete for a Super Bowl with the present situation. The present situation being you have no defense to work with. You have Eric Hendricks. Harrison Smith. And that's all I can think of that you have because like Daniel Hunter is going to be a tough decision. I just wrote about that today. Uh, that's going to be a tough call for them. 
and then what Dalvin Tomlinson, like this is your defense right now. It needs a lot of work. And not only that, the offensive line needs several positions. I think after watching some of these teams today, you can use a couple other uh, role players on offense, maybe another wide receiver to go in there. Some of these teams decided that they like don't mind having depth at the wide receiver position. Like there's a lot to do. There's a quarterback decision. I would not look at this and say, because of this, keep Kirk Cousins for a year, draft a guy, let that play out. I think it's possible that they will look at it that way. I just wouldn't. Like your goal is not to win the division at nine and eight. Your goal is to win the Super Bowl, which means you have to have a team as good as the Rams, as good as the Bucks, as as good as San Francisco from player two to 53. That San Francisco team is incredible. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, he fits in really well with that team. But their roster is just spectacular. And from position to position, they got stars all over the field and a great coach. You, that, that's what you're competing for. You're competing to be on the same field with those guys, not to run out there next year with the 25th best defense and win nine games and be like, yay, we won the division. Let's extend cousins or something like that's not what you want. You want to be trending toward being a Super Bowl contender. There's young offensive pieces in place to start going that way. Um, but I don't know. One of the hardest things to figure out, and this connects to the Tampa Bay game, is the report comes out that the Vikings are very interested in Todd Bowles and he's getting a second interview. Again, some of this stuff, you never know exactly whose agent is telling who to say what. However, if they're doing a second interview, they're serious. That would say to me, Paul, that our understanding of things that the Wilfs know and see the universe that they see from New Jersey is very different from what we see, which I think became very clear that they didn't know a lot of stuff that was going on in the building was going on in the building. They should listen to the show. Um, But I mean, really like, wouldn't they be more dialed in if they just listened to us talk about them all the time? I I don't know why that doesn't happen. Uh, But dot substack or just, I mean, Anybody, not just us. I mean, like there's other, uh, you know, like Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer and, you know, whatever. Like there's other people who cover this team. But like, are you reading some of the quotes from your head coach? Like, are you looking at the drafts? Are you like, what, you know, how did you end up on the last day deciding to fire Rick Spielman? How does that happen? Considering where the franchise had gotten to, you waited until you were getting booed off the field to start asking questions. You didn't talk to the players until after it was basically already over. And then you met with the leadership that didn't happen before. So if they want someone like Todd Bowles to be their culture changer, I just don't think they're seeing the world through the same eyes as we are basically. Yeah. I, my Todd Bowles breakdown is it's, it's, I'm just not too hot on him and it's, it's for several reasons. One, one thing that points me in the direction of maybe there's a little bit more smoke than just agents talking Bowles was a finalist when Zimmer was hired. That was when he was right in. Um, he was one of the top three finalists, I think. Zimmer, Bowles, and I forget the third. So it it makes a lot of sense that, you know, eight years later, they're coming back to a guy that they liked in the first place. And maybe Poles, if he is the guy, changes all that. I'm not sure how much discussion they would have had if they feel like he's the guy, if they have already kind of been like, all right, we're going to start setting up second interviews with people. Who knows how much input he's had on that, if any, um, so who knows if they are connected? Uh, it might just be, we liked Bulls the first time we're talking to him again today. Cause he's been on the bucks. He's done well. And so we like him again, 
But yeah, it's not someone, at least from my perspective, I would go after. If they're going for a defensive-minded guy, I think Raheem Morris would be a better option after what we've seen from D'Amico Ryans. I think that would be a better option. And it's hard with Bowles because you don't know how much in his first stint was the Jets and how much was him. Like, where do you assess blame? What I do know is they were better than they were better when he got there than when they left. I know they had three offensive coordinators in four years. Uh, if you're going to bring in a defensive head coach, uh, the one thing that needs to happen is there needs to be a plan in place for the offense. You need to have, this is who my coordinator is. This is my quarterback coach. We are committed to this. We are committed to this type of offense. Three offensive coordinators in four years in your first stint shows, I don't know if you're committing to that. I don't know what that looks like, but that would have to change if you're going with Bulls or any defensive-minded head coach. So for me, yeah, I'm not sure after what we just saw, especially when on you're throwing a cover zero look when you just can't let up a touchdown and you're blitzing Stafford, who's been one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz, and you blitz him on that final play. Like, I'm not sure that's the guy you want. But again, we may be overreacting to one play. But even before this week, he was not the person that I was considering. Um, so yeah, I don't know what your your perspective is on him, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just underwhelmed by it. Uh, he seems like a great guy. He's been a, defen- a great defensive coordinator twice for Arians both times. So he's, uh, he's obviously got some chops there, but it just, it, it seems like that would be a very uninspiring hire. The last play is, uh, I think, an extreme blunder by him, especially considering who's playing quarterback, who's playing wide receiver. And then there was some miscommunication about who was supposed to blitz, which you're at home. Like that should not ever happen. Um, and maybe I guess it's no, a little noisier when you're at home, but that should never happen that there's a miscommunication in the biggest moment. But not only that, I mean, why would you ever run a play that would allow Antoine Winfield Jr. is a great player, but he's not a guy who's going to track the best receiver in the league down the field, 40 yards. I mean, that's really unfair to ask of him. He's a safety and you wouldn't ask any safety to do that one-on-one. Uh, that is a tremendously bad decision. I wouldn't judge his entire candidacy, just like we talked about with Kellen Moore, where I did feel a little bit like uh, after looking at the entire game plan, and that's where I might say after looking at the entire game plan, but Bulls also had a great game plan against Patrick Mahomes last year and won the Super Bowl. It's not his defensive acumen that I would be concerned about. I mean, he's been a good defensive mind in what, four different places now. I think very similar to Zimmer that he knows exactly what he's doing defensively and made a bad call at the end of the game that cost them. Um, But they shouldn't have been in that game anyway. I mean, the Rams just tried to give it back in so many different ways. I think it's more about like when you think of how can we update ourselves to being a cutting edge progressive type of team that looks at the Ravens and John Harbaugh's decision-making and says, want to be like that. I want to be the team that understands every single game management decision, how to use timeouts, how to use fourth downs. I follow a few Jets people, a few Jets writers and things like that. And I recall that it was very similar to Zimmer. It was the same sort of, oh, you're punting on fourth and two at this part of the field and things like that. Like that doesn't make someone a great or terrible coach necessarily, but everybody in the league is getting this. Does your guy get it? And you bring up a good point about the offensive coordinator thing. We've got Shanahan and McVay. Matt LaFleur was there. 
One of the things, Andy Reid, here's Andy Reid again, and, and Buffalo has had Brian Dable there the whole time. I don't know if he'll stay there after this, but he's been there with Josh Allen the whole time. If they are planning, and this is like, can we get in the Wolf's heads? We really can't. If they are planning to draft a quarterback, you want an offensive head coach to build with that quarterback or someone that has no aspirations of being a head coach who's your offensive coordinator or no chance, which apparently, you know, I guess we'll see if, if they do hire Ryan Poles and he wants to bring in Eric B but I don't, I mean, he's been there a long time. That sort of continuity though, where if your offensive coordinator, Doug Peterson, once upon a time gets a job, you don't have to change anything. You just have someone else on the staff become the OC and you keep running the same offense and, and you can do those things with your quarterback. Uh, I think that's preferable. And I think that he, like the Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo relationship, I think is really emblematic of this that Garoppolo I think is a very good quarterback with one with one great skill is that he gets rid of that ball super fast it comes out and also he's got guts like to make big throws but he's not unbelievable he's not like what we saw from Patrick Mahomes today he knows that offense so well you don't see confusion you don't see him looking to the wrong places or getting the wrong protections or anything They've been together for a long time. I think that's important. The same thing with Mahomes. The biggest moments come up. Mahomes knows exactly what they're doing and has a say in that offense and has a relationship. Like I think that that's kind of important and you just don't see Bowles as, as that guy. However, if the Wilfs look at Todd Bowles and say, you know what our real problem was? The defense. It wasn't Cousins. It was the defense then you're going to get Todd Bowles probably. I mean, maybe D'Amico Ryan is another guy from San Francisco who I think would be a little more on the modern side, especially having worked with um, Kyle Shanahan or Raheem Morris having worked with Sean McVay and Shanahan in Atlanta. Maybe you're talking about a guy who's more of a complete head coach if it's Raheem Morris because he's done both sides of the ball. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to completely obsess over this with Bowles, but it just seems like antithetical to what you'd be trying to do in this case, you do need to go the opposite direction of the previous people that you had. And this would look like they weren't hiring a scout guy, which is fine. I see people criticizing that on the internet and laugh hysterically at anybody who thinks that they know what Ryan Poles is going to do. You just found out who he is the other day. You don't know what he's going to do as the general manager. You yeah. don't know what he believes. You don't know how he values players. You don't know who he's going to trade, how he's going to handle this thing. And you don't know whether he'd be better or not than the scouting guy from Cleveland. You, or I'm sorry, the analytical guy from Cleveland. You have no idea. So anybody who you follow on the internet who has an opinion on this, stop following them. They don't know what they're talking about. That's a side rant. But, uh, Anyway, I just I, I think that going with someone with a scouting background and a defensive head coach would just look like, oh, we want the same thing, but just nicer people. That's how it would come across. Yeah, we want continuity, but we don't we we yeah, we want continuity. We we just didn't like Zimmer and we didn't like like his attitude and we didn't want him in the building anymore. So we didn't got another defensive guy because that's our issue. And we got another scout because you know, Spielman was here for a long time and he drafted some good players, but, you know, he just couldn't get along with Mike. We just didn't have that continuity. So now let's get a scout. Let's get a defensive guy. And they're going to be in sync. That's that's what we need. That's what got us in 2017 to an NFC championship game. Like if that's the way they're thinking, it's it's not a good spot to be in. Um, I will say we, you know, we don't know if Bulls is the guy. Like you said, it could have just been agent talk. This might not have he might not be the coach. Um who knows? Uh, it looks like Poles is the GM, but you never know. Maybe that's not the combo either. 
So there's a lot left to be said. But yeah, just after 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 you think about it, it just it it seems too similar and it seems like we're just going to run back with the same mistakes that we've already had and I don't think anyone wants that really. I don't think anyone does. And this is where I always think it's very difficult to take the final four teams or something and say, well, look at the final four teams. Cause the four who lost lost on field goals. So, yeah. I mean, you know, don't, don't build like Tennessee cause your guy will throw the pick at the very end. I don't know. I mean, it's, that's hard to say, but I do think that what we're looking at here is as usual, top passing offenses that even San Francisco that's known as a little more of a running team. They were ahead of the Vikings this year and passing expected points added. That's what their quarterback missing. I think two games uh, injured Jimmy Garoppolo and then playing other games hurt. He's still clearly hurt right now. And they had by expected points added a top 10 passing offense. The Rams think were number two behind Tampa Bay. So whoever won that one was going to be right there. Kansas city. I don't have it memorized, but of course like Kansas city, they were in the top five. Like the teams that get deep in the playoffs every year, as random and crazy as these games can be, are always the top passing offenses. It's not Indianapolis who ran the ball all the time and tried to play, you know, game manager with Carson Wentz. It's not usually Tennessee. Tennessee usually gets so far and then they get stuck. This is a little bit Baltimore, too. Like Baltimore is a very, they use their quarterback with it, but it's Greg Roman and it's this very run heavy type of offense that, they probably need a change there too. They fired their defensive coordinator. And I thought, I think you need to actually fire your offensive coordinator, but um, they're not ever one of the most efficient passing games in the league. And that's the question is how far can you go when you're in the middle? And that's where the Vikings have been for the entire cousins era. It's 10th. It's 10th. It's 17th. It's like that in expected points added. You're just okay. You're not, you're not up there with the great teams and whether it's cousins or somebody else, you have to find a way to get there. You have to find a way to get to that level. And uh, I don't know any other way than hiring a coach that is going to push the ball to Justin Jefferson and is going to maximize everything you have through the passing game. And if it takes throwing the ball 700 times, then that's what you should be doing. Like, is Does that sound like Todd Bowles to you? It doesn't to me. Um, no. Maybe he's going into these interviews saying, hey, I've I found the light with Bruce Arians. No risk it, no yeah. biscuit, baby. Um, but I don't yeah. know. And I, yeah, I don't know I if mean, that's the case. You, I think there's something to be said for he failed. Hopefully he learned from that. Hopefully he sees some of the things he could have done differently. Hopefully he sees why Tampa Bay has been successful. And maybe that brings it here. But a lot, of t- a lot of times it's just, you know, you don't teach the old dog new tricks. I mean, Mike McCarthy went to PFF and he still doesn't have that down. I think... Minnesota fans thought Tom Thibodeau, when he came in for the Timberwolves, oh, Tibbs had that so much time off. He's not going to run guys into the ground. He's not going to do that. He's going to have a different style. That didn't happen. And so it just reinforces why I have always preferred an offensive coach for this job if it's going to happen. I mean, all the top offenses that you talk about have an offensive head coach, except maybe the Bills. But then they have the just... Brian Dable has been the OC and that is not something that normally happens. If you're an OC for a top team like this for multiple years, usually you're gone like that saying, well, we're going to operate like the bills and we're just going to have an OC. That's really good. And he's going to stay that that doesn't happen. That really doesn't happen. That is an anomaly. And so then you look at all the other teams in the playoffs and all the other top passing teams, 
they're pretty much all offensive minded guys. And so I think that is generally where after where they have to go again, that is not a blanket statement. If a defensive guy blows you out of the water, that that might be where you have to go. But if you're trying to make this sustainable with a young quarterback or Kirk, you have to have some continuity on that offensive side. And Bowles did not show that in New York. And just history tells us defensive coaches don't do that. Like the best defensive coach last year that was hired, Brandon Staley, they're already opining for the offensive coordinator to get run out of town. Like he has by all means been a slam dunk hire by everyone that you talk to, but they're still going to replace offensive coordinator because they struggled in the middle of the year. And that's what kept them from the playoffs. Like there just seems to be a ceiling. If you can't continue to sustain some sort of offensive cohesion with a defensive coach. And it's just really, really hard to do that. And the numbers are stacked against you a little bit. And so then you couple that with a guy who's already failed on the defensive side. And that's where natural questions come up. Now, if Bowles gets hired, could a lot of things change? And will we look at those things? Yeah. And it might be a great hire. You don't know. But if you're just trying to play the odds game, the odds look worse than they do, you know, look looking better. I, I agree. I agree. And there was a report out there that the Vikings want their Mike Tomlin. So th- that just means in, I mean, I, I'm not trying to put words in their mouth here, but does that mean hiring a defensive minded, nice person? Like, I, I mean, I don't think of Mike Tomlin as being a super nice guy. I think of Mike Tomlin is like master and commander guy. Like he is just in control of that entire franchise and everybody knows it. And that's, that's the guy and he runs a tight ship, but he's not a, you know, abusive, doesn't create a toxic culture, isn't ego maniacal. Like some of these coaches like Joe judge, like he's a very well-adjusted in control type of leader that players seem to want to follow. And okay. That's great. I think that's pretty rare to be able to find somebody who's that good at it. But I think if you're like, Hey, what's like him? Like, I think that that's, it's almost as silly as saying the next McVay, like, let's just find the next McVay. Like, uh, okay. I don't know if those guys are necessarily out there or just because someone is youngish and energetic doesn't mean they're the next McVay. This is, this is why it is so incredibly hard. And that's why, like, I don't mean to spend so much time on it, but when someone gets a second interview, you go, okay, what is going on there? It could be the case that Ryan pulls, if he becomes the GM, as we expect, then he might already know who he wants. And it might be the last guy they interview. And they might be just trying to do a favor to pump up Todd Bowles' value so he gets a job somewhere else. There are favors like that that get done all the time. So I don't want to have everyone freak out and be like, oh no, they're going to blow this higher. And then they bring in Eric Bieniemy the next day or something. So we'll we'll see. I don't know what direction they're going to go with that. Um, I want, I have a question that I definitely wanted to ask you before I get to who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Do you know what a uh, Rorschach test is? Do you know what that is? Not off the top of my head. I've heard of it. Okay. I'm going to show you. Can you see it on my phone? Maybe you can't see it on my phone. It's the ink blot thing. Oh, it's, okay. it's yeah. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, but someone, I couldn't think of what it was called. And someone emailed it to me when I brought it up. I don't know, months ago. It's where they show you an ink blot and you look at it and you tell people what you see. So there's the famous one that kind of looks like a bat or a bird sitting on a tree, but I don't know what that says about me. Anyway, do you look at the Los Angeles Rams mm-hmm. and say, that's why you take your limited quarterback who you had to work around and try to get somebody with a stronger arm? Or do you look at it and say, I don't know, Kirk was kind of a lot like Stafford and 
I guess he can do it. This is not a leading question. This is a Rorschach test. I see the the Vikings don't have the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. They don't have maybe the best wide receiver in Cooper Cup. That's what I see. And so I see that not being, I don't see them as being even, I don't see Kirk being able to do something similar. And I think all you have to look at is the game we just spent the first 20 minutes of the show talking about. Um, you're 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 not going to find your Mahomes or Allen in all likelihood. Like those guys are generational. And I'm not saying you have to search for quarterbacks until you get there. You can't anything less and you need to just punt on him no matter how good he is like that. That is not the case, but it's just that is so much more sustainable than anything else. That's so much more sustainable than what the 49ers are doing with Garoppolo what the Rams are even doing with Stafford, but that team is just so much more talented and they got there by taking a generational pass rusher and, or just generational defensive lineman, the best player in the NFL basically. And then taking a wide receiver, like in the fourth round, who's turning into Jerry Rice in Cooper cup. Like that is what it's getting there. And then they're doubling down by signing Odell Beckham trading for Von Miller and like filling out the roster in other good ways with, Andrew Whitworth, even though he didn't play today, you've got, there, there's just so much talent on that team. So no, I don't think you can look at this Vikings team and see a similar fate like you do with the Rams. Uh, maybe you see it a little bit more with the 49ers, if anything, but I don't even think it's there either, just with the talent that they have on that roster. But no, my short answer, which was kind of leading by the way. Um, but uh, no, I don't see, I don't see, um, Kirk Cousins in that bat. I don't see that. Uh, okay. So I think what I see is one of those pictures where if you look at it one way, you can see like an old woman pushing a shopping cart. And if sure. you look at it the other way, you see a train or however that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those right. Where you can yep. see both. I don't know if you're like that, but if I think about, maybe this works for everybody. If I think about one or the other, if I know what they're both supposed to look like, then I can mm-hmm. see them. Um, but anyhow, that's how well, I do this. Yeah. That's how I view this is. So the answer might actually be like you laid out. If you have this level of a roster, which will only exist for one year, by the way, this thing is coming apart after this with Los Angeles. So if you can do that for one year with this level and have the best offensive coach in the game, which is, which is what you did not have in 2018, you may have a shot at this maybe uh, with Kirk Cousins. I think you would maybe to be there at NFC championship. That's what they had in 2017. They had the number one defense, two elite wide receivers, great coaching from Pat Shermer, great coaching from Mike Zimmer. And they got to the end and luck as the Rams got lots of luck today. Yeah. Uh, but um, then you can maybe get there to the NFC championship game with cousins. But I also see when you have that level of physical talent, it just gives you a better shot at it. And as much as he can throw a nice ball, what you see from some of these other quarterbacks is just this arm strength and off balance throws. I mean, Mahomes threw one sidearm underneath submarine today, but Stafford has been doing stuff like that for a long time. He does that stuff too, where it's just like off balance or has to fire it into a tight window and whatever. I think that that's just necessary to be here to have that type of skill. So I kind of see both of these things. And if you're telling me, can you build a roster like this with that? The Rams have within the next two or three years with a very expensive contract. The answer is no, I I don't think that's really possible. 
uh, unless you just lucked out and hit a bunch of draft picks. And then maybe you would have a chance, but everything is about the odds. So if you're saying, well, this is all we need to do. Uh, well, is that better odds than you know drafting a guy high and having him work out and then just ending up in this weekend because you were able to build the money or uh, build the team with the money. So uh, I tend to kind of look at it in a lot of different ways, but I think I see you really need the gifts in order to be uh, at championship weekend. Most of the time, most sometimes, of the time. sometimes Blake Bortles gets there, but and Case most, Keenum and Nick Foles, <laughs> yeah, right. But most of the time, that's not the case. So who do you think will be playing in the Super Bowl, Paul? I think it will be the Chiefs and the Rams. That is my pick at this moment. Uh, that, that's probably chalk based on Vegas odds, I would guess. Uh, I think we, to be honest, I think we just watched the Super Bowl. Even if Kansas City loses one of the next two weeks, that was the best game. Those were the two best teams, I think, this year. Uh, so Kansas City very well, very well may lose a game, but... I, I think it's the Chiefs that win this whole thing, um, just based on what we've seen. And maybe I would have felt differently if the Packers looked really good and kept going through or something like that. But I just don't see – Patrick Mahomes has never lost to anyone other than Tom Tom Brady in the playoffs. Uh, and I just don't see a different outcome. They were just – at the end of the game when they needed points, they were just able to will anything that they needed. We need to go 40 yards in eight seconds. We'll do that. We need Tyreek Hill to catch – a 70 yard pass that he's going to run and then like put the peace sign up with 20, 20 yards to go and just run it straight in. Like that's what we'll do. And until we see something else, they have to be the de facto favorite. And then on the NFC, I don't know. Stafford kind of won me over a little bit today with how he played. And I don't think you get four fumbles again. And it would be a little bit of an upset because the 49ers have won like the last six times that they've played the Rams or something crazy like that. But I don't know. I'm starting to believe a little bit in the Stafford thing, which is right when it comes back and comes back to bite me. But for me, it's Kansas city winning over the Rams. Where is it for you? I think that that's my answer as well. The only thing that holds me up is that San Francisco, I think their defense won't make some of the same mistakes that Tampa does. And I also thought about Stafford had a great day. I'm not trying to take away from it. And the first drive, he threw it right to a Tampa yep. Bay player and went through. Yep. They almost were so shocked that the ball came their way that it went right through their hands. And you just wonder, like Stafford has this confidence thing where sometimes he just kind of wavers. Uh, Jimmy will and, do it too, though. Jimmy, yeah. they, oh, they, sure. might just, they might do like we saw the Pat Mahomes Allen thing. There just might be like pick, 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 like back <laughs> and forth. Like we're going, right. what is going on? Because they just, they're magnetizing to defenders. So that could happen. I, yeah, I, but I think that Jimmy playing beat up uh, is probably the X factor here. And with that defensive line, I mean, the, the right tackle position is extremely, extremely weak for San Francisco and they're going to do the same thing. Here's Vaughn Miller in your face over and over and over again. I think that's true. And I just, Joe Burrow is a marvelous quarterback, but his team is probably a year away from building up enough talent to compete with, um, yeah. With, Talk about a bad offensive line. Yes, right, exactly. Drew Samia stuff right there. Ooh, yeah, oh, super bad. Like, they don't even know who to block, and Joe Burrow just has to make plays. And I don't think their offensive coordinator helps a lot, or their head coach, Zach Taylor. So, But 
I think it's going to be a fun championship weekend. Maybe not as fun as this, which was as insane of a weekend that has ever existed in football. So uh, appreciate everybody listening. And also everybody who listened to the Vikings decision, 2022 football bonanza, the three episodes, if you haven't listened to them, they're still very much relevant because I thought as I was recording them, Oh, they're going to name a general manager. That's exactly yeah. what's going to happen when I do three episodes for the weekend. But I had a uh, former director of player personnel on to explain what that job is and give insight on how to scout quarterbacks. That was super cool. And Jeremiah was on Derek Klassen to talk about Kirk Cousins future in the draft. I mean, just uh, a lot of good stuff. So Paul, always appreciate you popping on here late at night um, after these games, especially since both of us were in a state of shock right after that happened. 13 seconds, Buffalo. I am sorry. I am sorry. That is brutal. That is that's not a wild card miss field goal, folks. That is you are 13 seconds away from your second straight AFC championship and you're playing the Bengals. Just change. You the, would have had it at home. Time rules. Change them. Right. Why, why are we doing this? When they the Bills would have been at home, right? Yep. Bills would have oh been at home. Oh, my God. Yep. AFC championship, the flaming tables that would have been broken. Um <laughs> It would have been nuts. So thanks everybody for listening. We've also shown just uh, the podcast has grown by a lot of listeners recently, probably because people actually feel like excited about what's next. So this week could be really, really exciting with a new GM, potentially even a new head coach before championship weekend. So lots to come, man, lots to come. Uh, So thanks Paul. And thank you all for listening. We will catch you next time.